listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. So says Jesus. Well, a summer vacation draws to a close, and while we are still pretty relaxed, we hear a somewhat simple gospel passage. On the surface, this story even seems one-dimensional. Once again, the Jewish leaders are after Jesus because his disciples hadn't kept a certain law. They got caught because they didn't wash their hands before eating. The leaders criticized them, and Jesus, believing that ritual purity had become an end in itself without meaning, takes the leaders on. Jesus' point here is not to pick on Jewish tradition or ritualism, but to go to the heart of the gospel message, which is his call to consider the inner workings of the human heart. Jesus loves to turn our values upside down. And here he warns us that simply because we perform and receive the rituals of the church, that in itself does not make us right with God. Or is it simple? When Jesus responds to the Pharisees, whose aim it is to separate the religion of Israel from contact with the heathenism of Rome, he doesn't condemn their beliefs or denounce their important role in first century Judaism. They may sound like petty bureaucrats obsessed with trivial matters, but they're concerned because Jesus' disciples don't demonstrate reverence for the tradition of the elders, since washing was considered an integral part of Jewish purity laws and faith and identity. When Jesus challenges the Pharisees, believing that they had a code of behavior in place of God, he does so as a deeply religious Jew who quotes the ancient tradition of the prophets. He claims that the Pharisees' hearts are far from God, but he doesn't condemn all Judaism and its leaders. He cautions them not to condemn religious traditions different from theirs, but to put their energy into examining their own sins instead of separating themselves. I think two important questions arise for us from this passage. The first is, what is at the heart of our own religious faith and traditions. Jesus uses the word heart three times here, emphasizing the importance of the human heart for religious faith and practice. He says that faith is a matter of the heart and not the performance of rituals. To him, the greatest ritual to perform is to give expression to the love of God acts of kindness, acts of compassion. The heart was considered to be the center of someone's will and decision-making abilities. So to turn one's heart away from God 
or let it be filled with what he calls evil intentions was considered a grievous sin. And Jesus urges them and us to examine our own hearts rather than our neighbor's dirty hands. And he doesn't leave this list of evil intentions to the imagination. Fornication, theft, murder, avarice, deceit, indecency, pride, envy, slander, and folly. Saying that we all are susceptible to these sins because they each reflect a heart that is turned away from God and that also impacts our relationships with others. So our challenge is to recognize how we might misinterpret what is important to God. To graphically quote Jesus in a sentence that we didn't read this morning, what is important to God and what should be simply released into the sewer. If we want to examine the heart of our religious faith, We need to be honest and willing to explore whether our attitudes and actions reveal genuine love for God and compassion for others. Because the growth in our ability to love is directly related to an increased awareness of the hidden intentions of our hearts. Nowhere in the four Gospels was Jesus impressed with anyone's righteousness by their education, or their cleverness, or ritual perfection. What did impress him was not the outward appearance of faith, but the outward expression of faith coming from the heart. The second question concerns our own so-called holy habits and practices. What are the religious practices we pursue, and why do we pursue them? Most of us today don't think of religious practices in terms of clean and unclean. But what kind of ritual activities or practices do help us develop a meaningful relationship with God and our neighbors? You see, faith isn't basically about how how often we pray or how we pray or the way we worship or our appearance in church or how many retreats we attend, or which creed we say. These may have their place, but they're not the substance of faith, which is a matter of a giving heart, a changed heart, a heart focused on the love and grace of God. So every prayer, every worship, every creed, If it doesn't create a heart able to express the compassion of God, what then does it serve? How do practices such as charitable giving, service, work, hospitality, and forgiveness deepen our sense of God's presence and power among us? Each time we recite the creed, we all say together, we believe. But that's not enough. We're not judged by our words, but by our deeds. Are we just giving lip service 
or are we giving ourselves in loving service? In the first reading this morning from the epistle of James, he says, blessing comes from being doers of the word, not merely hearers of the word. It's of no value to claim God's word unless we act upon it in our lives by serving others. So, this gospel invites us to consider or to reconsider the purposes behind our practices as well as their pitfalls. We might look carefully at the ways our daily habits and attitudes encourage our awareness of God and impact our relationship with loved ones and strangers. We might explore how we do or don't evaluate the meanings or implications of what we do. You see, the Pharisees emphasized the importance of external symbols. And of course, symbols are important in all parts of life. A handshake, a hug, a kiss, kneeling or standing for prayer, reverencing the cross as it leads the procession in and out of the church, or crossing ourselves with water from the baptismal font. Certainly, Jesus respected symbols in life and worship, and his criticism was directed not at symbols, but at the danger when these symbols become ends in themselves and block the path to God instead of helping people to travel along the way. And tradition can serve as an invaluable parent a living, breathing heritage, correcting the church from impulsiveness. But tradition can also become arthritic, lulling the community of believers into rigidity. I read something the other day that I really liked. It said, tradition is essential to be kept lightly cupped in the hands like a young bird falling from its nest. But when held on to with a death grip, tradition, rather than being a means of grace through which the mystery may be mediated, often becomes a substitute for the mystery. So is this gospel passage really simple? Or once again, does it make us spiritually wrestle with our faith. However difficult or challenging Jesus' words may be, there is within them the hope of renewing our attitudes and actions so they may reflect God's loving intentions for humanity. Of this we are greatly reminded as the last words spoken in each Eucharistic celebration. Our worship has ended. Now our service begins. Thanks be to God. <laughs>